exclusive podcast from Impact 89FM. 389.3. And now, the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Welcome to the Spartan Sports Wrap here on 88.9 WDBM East Lansing, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Dave Harinku. I will be your host as usual for this next hour. And as always, my lovely co-host Megan to my left. Megan, how are we doing on this gloomy, rainy Monday? I'm fine because it's our last week of class in school. And stuff, I know. So. Congratulations out there to everyone. <laughs> I know. It's, it's it's great. It's finally come to an end somehow. May fourth. <laughs> May fourth is uh yeah, it'll be all done. Students will be done. And congratulations first and foremost to everyone out there in the 2012 uh, graduating class. Uh, definitely have to be proud for those achievements. And I just want to congratulate all the students. Mm-hmm. That are graduating out there. Mm-hmm. That is absolutely fantastic. Uh, yes, it is a very rainy Monday, pretty gloomy day. I figure it's been raining for like 20 hours already. I got drenched on the way over here, so uh, I guess I don't care if I got to get drenched back. I'm already wet. <laughs> Jeans are soaked. But uh, we do have two special guests on the show here tonight. Uh, Zach is back, who was here with us last week. Zach, good to, have, uh, good to have you back on the program. Yeah, thanks for having me. I had no problem at all. And again, who was on last week, we have John back with us. John, nice to have you on the show, too. Thanks for having me back. No problem at all. It's a, it's a great week of sports. Really a lot to get to in today's show. We will be talking about the draft class for the Spartans of 2012. Had six players go in the draft this year. Second highest draft class since 2000. So we'll definitely get into that and talk about Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins, who was drafted by the Washington Redskins after they had drafted Robert Griffin III with their second pick of the draft. So we'll discuss whether we think that's a good fit for Cousins and the Washington Redskins. We'll also talk about the Lions' 2012 NFL draft, which uh, started off with an offensive tackle for their first pick and a wide receiver for their second pick. We will get into that, whether you think that was a good value pick or are the Lions, again, going a little too much with value with receivers. We'll also talk about the Detroit Tigers. Losers of eight of their last ten games here, really struggling at this point. Did salvage a victory from the New York Yankees in their three-game series this weekend, but still not a lot going well. Scherzer really looking like he doesn't have any control. We're going to talk about the Detroit Tigers and what kind of fixes we need to see with them. NBA playoffs kicked off this weekend. We'll get into some big news. Derrick Rose is down for the playoffs. Rajon Rondo is going to be suspended here for this game two of the Celtics series. We'll get into the NBA, talk about some of the series that are going on right now. We'll mention some NHL playoffs for you. I have IndyCar from Sao Paulo. Megan's going to have NASCAR for you. Don't forget the phone number 517-432-3893 is the number. Give us a call all show. Let us know what you think. But we are going to start with Michigan State and the draft class of 2012. And again, this was with their second biggest draft class since 2000 when they had seven players taken in the NFL draft. The Spartans managed to have six players. And the first of those was Kirk Cousins, drafted in the fourth round by the Washington Redskins. Actually, excuse me, Jarrell Worthy was the first pick in the second round by the Green Bay Packers. Then it was Cousins in the fourth round. And then we had Trenton Robinson taken in the sixth round. He went to the San Francisco 49ers. Edwin Baker, the running back, goes in the seventh round to to the San Diego Chargers, Keyshawn Martin in the fourth round to the Houston Texans, B.J. Cunningham in the sixth round to the Miami Dolphins. Uh, the Spartans did also have some undrafted guys get signed. Fullback Todd Anderson was signed by the St. Louis Rams. Tight ends Garrick Selleck to the San Francisco 49ers and Brian Lithicum to the New York Jets. A pretty impressive draft class overall. I think a lot of people have been speaking just kind of the you know the really kind of players that Michigan State has been putting out recently any thoughts guys on basically how um, you know people are looking at Michigan State's talent pool here in this year's draft Megan anyone 
I, it's it's great. I mean, I didn't think that six players would go. To be mm-hmm. honest, I, I know we put out a lot of talent. I know we had a very talent. We have had very talented teams in the past, and I know we have a talented squad coming up now. Judging by looking at the spring game, yes. Um, even those those weren't even all of our starters. But anyway, um, it's it's exciting. It's just showing the direction that the program's going, and all the guys that were drafted, even that were free agent signed later on, yeah. were all great players for us. And to have six go is, it was great. You know, everyone was so stuck on Drell Worthy and Kirk Cousins, Drell Worthy, Kirk Cousins. Those were the two big draft picks that everyone pretty much knew was going to go. But then to watch, like, Trent Robinson, B.J. Cunningham, all those guys go, all great players that played for Yeah, Keyshawn, he's going to be a great weapon on They're uh, great, and it's just, it's a a big step in the right direction. I think D'Antonio's doing very well with the program right now, and I think he's taking it in the right direction you know, after having a team back when I was, I can remember in high school that would go like five and whatever. You know, and now we're we're ele- yeah, we're we're eleven wins for the past two seasons. Exactly, and I think it, people are seeing that talent pool that D'Antonio's created. Um, any thoughts, guys, on the you know the nice uh, draft class that we have here? You know, through yeah. the Spartans, definitely exciting. Uh, Michigan only had three. Ohio State had four. So it's just showing how Michigan State is just rising up in the Big Ten. Without a doubt. I mean, I think a lot of great picks for a lot of teams. Keyshawn will be great there with the Texans. Um, I'm really interested to see Edwin Baker with the Chargers. I think that's going to be a, a very interesting pick to watch. And Jarrell Worthy, why did you have to go to the Packers? I know, right? <laughs> well, I want to root for you. And I would. Ah. He's going to be slamming Stafford to the ground. Like, <laughs> I know. But, no, it was a great draft class here for the Michigan State Spartans, so it's really nice to see them really being recognized you know, throughout the league, You know, the GMs, the coaches who are really seeing the potential here with the players that have come out of this program. We're going to get to Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins, who, as Megan had mentioned, him and Jarrell Worthy were the two best guys coming out of this draft class for Michigan State. Some people had Kirk Cousins possibly in a third round, possibly as late as even a sixth round. Well, the Washington Redskins made a decision, and they went with them with his their fourth pick, 102nd pick for the Redskins. They go with Kirk Cousins after drafting Robert Griffin III from Baylor, their number two overall pick, which they traded up to get this pick. What do you think of Washington taking Kirk Cousins? They have Robert Griffin III. They do have Rex Grossman right now. They did cut John Beck. What do you think of that pick? They're that high, a second quarterback. I'm a little bummed out about that pick. I think just because they did take two quarterbacks in the draft, and, you know, probably Kirk Cousins is going to be third string. And that's unfortunate because I I think he has great talent. Um, I was reading an article. He thought he was going to go with the Broncos, or there was one other team he said. Um... And, you know, they asked him if he'd rather be a backup for Peyton Manning or a backup for, um, was it Robert Griffin III? Yep. Um, and he said, that's a tough question. You know, Peyton Manning, you're never probably never going to play. Um, third string, you're probably never going to play either. But it, it's tough. And I just, everyone, they were ripping him apart. I, I was watching SportsCenter for a while today and all those talk shows. They just think the, or the Redskins made the wrong choice. And... You know, what What team, though, has one quarterback already and drafts two quarterbacks in the draft? Well, obviously, they didn't like <laughs> Beck. They cut Beck, Beck right away after they knew they were going to go with RG3. Mm-hmm. I mean, Sexy Rexy, this guy, I don't think he's been too great on any team he's really been on. I can't even see Rex Grossman sticking around, possibly, on Washington. Maybe he does. What do you guys think of this pick? I thought it was a good pick. Like, I was, I was happy that he got picked because after the second round, I was kind of worried, like, well, maybe he'll slip to the fourth or something like that because I was thinking end of the second round. Okay, that's what everyone Philly was didn't really take him. Everyone was saying Philly was going to take him, and then they took uh, what's his face Osweiler. No, uh, 
I don't know who uh, Philly took there. I don't know. Anyway, that doesn't matter. But yeah. yeah, I mean, with you know, I mean, they they drafted RG three. You still think it's a good pick? Yeah, I like the pick because like he'll be RG three is obviously the starter. He's their big main guy, the Heisman Trophy winner. They're gonna put him in pretty much automatically. But Kirk Cousins, they probably liked him like personality, like liked him as a guy. Um, they wanted him in there as a backup because they knew they probably saw the talent. Everyone knew he was like one of the better quarterbacks left. They probably wanted to trade up, get that quarterback sure and I'm sure up the quarterback position because it is Washington and they have their problems and they're probably in the background thinking what if RG3 falls down and breaks his leg or something like that because it is Washington so they maybe picked it for that reason or whatever but I think it's a solid pick I like him going to Washington I like that team there's some teams I wouldn't want him to see yet and I don't think he'd like fit in there Uh so I like that but I thought it was a solid pick I mean I think the Redskins it's the first time in 23 years that you know you've seen a team take two quarterbacks that high. I agree with you though. I don't think it's a bad fit for him. I think it's fine. I think Kirk Cousins. You can never have too many players at a position. They already cut John Beck. They don't have confidence in Rex Grossman. Obviously, Kirk Cousins and a lot of people's boards was the third best quarterback in the draft. He fell to the fourth round. Even at worst, he's trade bait. Right at some point later in the season, when somebody else goes down, you could get something else if you want to do that or. He's a guy who's a three-year starter in the you know in college. He ran a pro-style offense. I think that Kirk Cousins is. I think he's a fine pick there. RG three is a mobile quarterback. This guy could get hurt. Kirk Cousins isn't a bad guy to step and you know take over at that position. Yeah, I think it makes sense because they just wanted him as that backup, as that safety, and they saw his talent. They didn't want to waste it, and someone was going to have to make that kind of risky. Do we take this guy this high, or is he going to fall? Do we want to maybe pick a young, good quarterback or a backup, or are we just going to move on and pick a linebacker or defensive tackle or something else that we think is more safe? So someone was going to make the risk, and it was just Washington who made it. Yeah, Washington took it. I don't think this is any kind of crazy competition between our three, RG3 and Kirk Cousins. Um, here's a quote from Kirk Cousins talking about the relationship he plans on having with the Washington Redskins. Quote, it is very important that for Robert and myself, for the Redskins as a whole, that we handle this thing the right way. I was involved in a couple of quarterback competitions in college, so this isn't my first time being around a situation like this. I think the important thing to note is that we're not competing against one another, we're competing with one another. And we're competing with one another to help the Redskins win football games. Who we are really competing against are the Giants and the Eagles and the Cowboys and the rest of the NFL. That's where our focus should be as far as competing, end quote. I think Mike Shanahan, he's a good coach. I think that he's a good guy to you know be able to mentor younger quarterbacks like RG3 and like Kirk Cousins. And as you had mentioned, John, Washington over the last however many years even the Jason Campbell years, they've never had that guy. RG3 is still their guy. He's like you said, he's going to be their starter. There's never, I mean, I think it's good to be able to have that kind of you know insurance in your back pocket to take a guy like Kirk Cousins. And again, maybe if someone goes down on another team during that throughout the year in the league and you don't really need him and you have somebody else as your backup that you think, well, then you can get some good value for the guy. Yeah, exactly. The Redskins have had 21 starting quarterbacks over the last 19 seasons. And what's to say that Kirk Cousins isn't going to be their number two guy going into the season and above Rex Grossman yeah. on the depth chart. So he could have an opportunity to play. Without a doubt. And, again, I mean, you look at the Lions, they thought, okay, Matt Stafford, well, we have Matt Stafford, we have Sean Hill, we have Drew Stanton. Okay, Stafford's down, Hill breaks his forearm. Now we're down to a third-string QB. I mean, you, you can't be over – you can't have enough guys at a position. 
Mm-hmm. You just can't. It depends on what you value at that time. Uh, they still have a pretty solid defense, I think, at, in Washington there. And they did pick up a lot of offensive tackles and some guys to be able to pr- protect RG3. So overall, I don't think everyone's blowing this pickup as I think it's like a, some, some little snub to Griffin. I think that's goofy. I mean, come on, RG3. I mean, do you think he starts the first game? Or do you think Rex Grossman starts first game? I think. You think RG3 is going to come right in, boom. Definitely. Number two pick, Heisman, they, they're high on him, so it's obviously going to be him. No question. No Unless question. He's injured or something. Or, but I don't think there's any fight for it. It's just RG3. RG3. And uh, I'm excited to watch, watch, watch Washington. Should be a really exciting season there in the NFC East, as usual. The Spartans played their final spring game of the season, April 28th, here. Um, and it was a pretty lopsided game. The white team defeated the green team 14-2. The defense absolutely dominating the offense in this game. Megan, you were at this. Mm-hmm. Tell everybody a little bit about what you saw while you were there. I had fun. Like I told you guys. <clears throat> It was just, I think it was more of like a competitive fun game for them. Because obviously they know how each other works. They know the plays they have. Uh, they had a, r- a really cool reversal. I don't know if you guys saw that. Um, handoff, you know, toss, lateral toss, yeah. went the other way for, I think it was close to a touchdown. I don't think it was a touchdown, though. Um, I think that it was just cool because they were able to try some things out. They had a lot of guys injured that they didn't put out there. Like, um, Maxwell was hurt. Uh-huh. Um, Larry Caper got hurt early on, or was yeah, it was Larry Caper, or no, it wasn't it? Was um, Le'Veon Bell, wasn't it? Okay, Bell. Yeah. yeah, Bell got hurt early on. Then William Golston goes out with a bruised knee in the second half. It was just like little petty injuries were coming back, and that was like, it's it's fine, but it was it was cool. I think they were just having a lot of competitive fun with it. I think last year the winning team got like a steak dinner, and that's like what they. I don't think I don't think they knew what they were competing for at the time. But they just were kind of having fun with it, trying things out. It was a little lopsided. Um, I mean, it seems fourteen to two. I mean, I you know, Danico saying I saw these guys just dominating. At least from what I've read. <laughs> Plus, the quarterback was the quarterback for both teams. Yeah, we asked him in a post game in, or post game interview, and we're like, are, "Are you sore yet?" And he goes, "Not yet, but I will be tomorrow." <laughs> I mean, that's more throwing than one quarterback is used to, without a doubt. And he's a freshman, and you know. He's not obviously the starter. He got a lot more playing time than I think he'll see until Maxwell is done. But so I mean, what you saw obviously, this defense is still going to be one of the top defenses in the Big oh Ten. Going to be no just doubt. a monster out no there. No doubt. Yeah, defense was dominant um, for sure. I mean, offense was a little iffy. Like I told you guys before. I mean, um, Nick Hill was quick. Yep. Um, quick as usual. I mean, I think he's faster now than he was last year, though. Uh, obviously, you have William Golston before he got hurt. He was just taking people down. Just. That's he. He was the one that actually forced the safety for the two points, and they just they all looked really good. Um, someone, I, someone was grading them, and I, I, I was. He said a strong B. Strong is B is where they're at right now. Okay, they still have some things to work on, and every team does. We're only in the spring. You have a whole summer to work on things, and you come back in the fall against Boise State and hopefully win. Um, night game. It's gonna be awesome. August thirty first, ladies and gentlemen. It is, and so yeah, their defense is just. It looks really good, and I think it's going to be one of the top ones in the nation again because I, I think that's one of their dominant sides. I think um, Mark D'Antonio does a good job of, of finding kids to put there. Yes. And I think he does a really great job of doing that, and I just I, they're going to be really good. They are. Once they, once they figure out their offense, once they figure out, you know, once all their starters start Maxwell's to, healthy. Yeah, once they all get healthy full-time. and they're able to play each other normal and work all summer and their two days or whatever they're going to do this summer, you know, They'll be good to go. I I have no doubt. I don't know if they'll beat Boise. I have to see them later. But without a doubt, they're going to be 
really good this year. It's going to be an exciting season. Any uh, comments from you guys uh, in, with, in regard to the spring game, what you guys read? Yeah, I'm excited to see how they turn out. Like, obviously, we didn't have our starting quarterback play. We didn't have a lot of the starters play. But still, you get to see who who kind of surprised you, like Danico Allen and stuff like that, people who stepped up, and, like, Nick Hill kind of looked faster, looked quicker, a little more dangerous. So just, like, seeing what we're going to develop into and how we're going to turn over after all those draft picks left and see yeah. how much different this team is, if we completely change, if we're that dominant D again, or if we kind of change up how we play or what. Because yeah, I, I think the defense, like, I think it's just gonna, I think it's gonna be demonstrative out there on the field. The question is the offense, the transition of the quarterback, and you know, really the guys he's gonna be able to throw the ball to. I think we should have a pretty solid running game. I think Le'Veon Bell has taken that torch as being the leader, as our leading running back. And Larry Caper, I think Larry Caper, he needs to have a great final season for himself to give himself a shot at the you know draft next year. So. It's really, for me, it's through the air and with Maxwell. I know I've heard a lot of great things about Maxwell, but until you see him in a live game against Boise, which is a pretty big game Mm -hmm. to open up the season, yeah, night game at Spartan Stadium against a team like Boise State, it should be a very, very exciting season. It's going to be great. Bottom line. I'm excited. I'm excited I get to work at it and be on the field. That'll be I love being in the student section, and I wish I could be in it again, but I can't do both. I'd rather be on the field. (laughs) The field's going to be fun. I mean, we're just going to be looking and figuring. It's being right there. That's going to be so cool. That's I'm excited. Good. <laughs> you should be excited. That should be a great time again. That season will kick off August 31st. will be the first game, 8 p.m. against the Boise State Broncos. In other news for Michigan State in college basketball, Michigan State it will join Seton Hall, Virginia Tech, and Oklahoma as host schools for the 2013 Coaches vs. Cancer Classic at the Barclays Center in New York. This is an article, uh, according to a report from CBSSports.com, Jeff Goodman. I guess the last time the Spartans played at this event was in 2006 when it was hosted at Madison Square Garden. Michigan State ended up beating Texas and lost to Maryland while in New York after getting victories over Brown and Youngstown State at the Breslin Center in East Lansing. Uh, the Barclays Center is the new Brooklyn home for the NBA's New Jersey Nets. So it'll be a beautiful facility. Uh, nice to see that Michigan State is back in the Cancer Classic and just playing some more games like that on that type of stage. It's always great. Mm-hmm. Always good to see. So, yeah, Seton Hall, Virginia Tech, and Oklahoma. So uh, that should be a fun time, and that will always be, uh, you know, usually sometime around January, February of the season. Uh, looking ahead, uh, there's one last story that we do have to speak about in regard for Michigan State. Former Michigan State guard Brandon Wood was arrested in Chicago, allegedly assaulting a woman in the early morning hours of Sunday. This is an article from the DetroitNews.com. Wood was arrested after an altercation at about 3.35 a.m. near the 2600 block of West Cordyland in Chicago. He was charged with battery assaulting criminal trespassing, uh, trespassing of residents, all misdemeanors. I guess he was at this residence of a 32-year-old woman, ended up slapping an 8-year-old woman as he was asked to leave, did not want to leave, slapped her through the gate. He was arrested shortly thereafter. Thank God he doesn't play for us anymore. Yeah. Bottom line, honestly. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on this, Megan? Uh, it's, I mean, it's, just... It's silly, um, I think, just because... I, I think I talked to you guys about this a little bit before. It's stupid, they're not commenting on whether there's alcohol involved or not, but I think all of us kind of have a perception if you're out at 3.30 in the morning. If he was at a party at that at time, party, he was drunk. He was with his dad, too, which I think I think makes this a little bit worse to me, just because you're with your dad, you slap a woman, and you get arrested, and your dad's there the whole entire time. Well, I mean, it, maybe it's a little weird that he's at a party with his son, but maybe they just have that type of relationship. And maybe. They're at a 32-year-old woman's house. I think it's maybe more Brandon Wood being a drunk idiot. Yes. And just 
okay, he's getting kicked out because he's probably being a buffoon, <laughs> real drunk, and he doesn't yeah. like it, so he slaps some woman and, you know, threatens him. Yeah, I just, you know, I like you said, I'm glad he doesn't play here anymore, and, we, and yes. Izzo doesn't have to deal with yet another Thank thing. God. Um, but I just think he's going to be associated with us, I think, because lately we've had all these kind of, what do I want to call them? I don't even know. Transgressions. Just distractions or something with our with our programs. Legal issues. Legal issues. Yeah, I don't know. Um, the courts involved. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Anything that every time you need to see a 54A or B district court in an article, right. it's like, great. Right. With the Michigan um, State name. I think it's just, I don't know. It was stupid. And I think it's... My, They're all misdemeanors. I mean, again, I mean, he's he threatened right. this woman. You know, God knows what he said. Of course, it probably wasn't good, but no. he slapped someone. Terrible. Yeah. Obviously, you never should hit a woman no matter what. <laughs> and I mean, that's terrible, but they are misdemeanors. Can't it? We were talking about the NBA draft before right. before the show. How badly does this affect him with teams? I mean, any opinion on that? Honestly, I didn't see him going that high anyways. And he Neither was, did I. He I didn't see him going them. high, but even just going at all, does this lower his chances Probably with something somewhat. like this? It depends on what's the outcome of it, what it he ends up if he has to pay a large fine or whatever it is and if it becomes a bigger deal and what his response to it is and everything but I don't think it's going to be a huge deal but then again he didn't have much to work with in the first place so it might kind of kill him off out of that late round draft you never know so it might he could have messed it up but he can he can work himself out of it I think he can work himself out of it I think it's a it's a really obviously stupid thing Really stupid thing to do. Uh, you don't need to be behaving in that way ever. Uh, hopefully, Brandon Wood. I mean, you've kind of seen this lately, and we'll get into it with Delman Young. But anger issues with some of these athletes when they're drinking. And I mean, I think it's not just the you know athletes alone. I'm not saying that a lot of people develop anger issues when they're drinking. Um, but at the same time, we need to control ourselves, people. So uh, hopefully, he can get his head straightened out and get this taken care of. The Lions 2012 NFL Draft. Been very good the last two years. Very good. I think no, no complaints from anyone, really, with Ndamukin Sue, Matt Stafford, Nick Fairley. I mean, we've seen last three years, we've seen really, really well-done drafts here by the Detroit Lions. And with their first pick in the first round, 23rd pick overall, the Lions went with Riley Reef. Um, he's an offensive tackle from Iowa. Um, he's a big boy. He played, started 37 out of 39 games for Iowa, uh, a very durable type tackle. Um, he's played left tackle most of his time at Iowa. He's also sometimes uh, moved in. He has played guard, but he's more most comfortable without it on left tackle. Who That's where Jeff Backus is for us right now, the uh, dinosaur of the Detroit Lions. <laughs> so with with just the first pick, guys, what do you think of the offensive tackle pick? They didn't go defense. They went offense. A very much needed position, though. What do you guys think of the first pick for them? I think it was predictable. Safe safe pick. And I think we definitely needed an offensive tackle. I think it will help our run game. Uh, I just think it was a good pick by. Yeah, I liked it, too, with Raiola, Peterman, and uh, Backus all over 30. And Backus coming back with the torn bicep and all that. Yeah. We're going to have to replace them at some point. He was left on the board. At that point, a lot of people thought he was going to be gone by then. Sure. So I thought it was a solid pick. He's, like you said, versatile. He's a big guy, hard worker, played a lot. So I thought it was a solid pick. I didn't see too many other people getting picked there and too many more risks. I like the safety of the Lions picking the odds. I agree. I, I like it too. I really do. I mean, whether it's safe or not, the guy fell a lot further than anyone thought he was going to fall. And like we talked on previous show, you find a guy that can fill a line for 10 years. 
those kinds of guys are invaluable. I mean, invaluable. You, you don't find those guys too often. If they follow you in a draft, you need to take them. And my biggest thing with this guy is his durability. When you start 37 out of 39 games for Iowa, you're their workhorse. You're protecting the quarterback, which we need to make sure Stafford is protected on that left side. Great point about opening up the running game because the Lions need all the help in the world with figuring out how to run the football. Mm-hmm. So I think the first pick is very solid. I want to talk about the second pick. That's what I really want to discuss. We've seen it over the years, all these blown wide receiver picks, You know, whether it's Mike James or whoever, honestly. <laughs> the Lions, with their second pick, in the, with their 54th pick overall, took Ryan Broyles. He's a wide receiver out of the College of Oklahoma. They drafted a lot of guys from Oklahoma, actually, this year. It seemed like it's like they just kept going after the Sooner players. But they picked Ryan Broyles. He's a very talented wide receiver. Yeah, he's not the biggest guy in the world, but he has done good things there out there in Oklahoma. What do we think of taking a wide receiver here with this pick? I mean, for all these, I mean, we have Calvin Johnson, mm-hmm. Nate Burleson. Mm-hmm. You got Pettigrew at the tight end position still. Titus you have Titus Young, Young you know. Was it necessary to take Ryan Broyles here? Everyone is saying Burleson's going to be gone now. I don't know why, but that's what I've been hearing. They're saying like he's got one year left, really, and yeah. then he probably won't yeah. be with us. Then he'll finish out one last season, and then he'll be gone. But this guy's just coming off an ACL. That's the, that's the thing that bothered and me. And he's, he's said himself he's not 100% yet, and he's still working at it. And it was when I heard, saw that, it was a shock, first of all, because the whole wide receiver thing is like, oh, my God, we picked another wide receiver. But it's also just... <laughs> yeah. I knew who that guy was, and it was like, yeah, he had a lot of talent. He was the NCAA leading receptions and yardage and all that kind of stuff, and he was a great player, but he still tore his ACL, and that's a major injury, and for him not being 100% and picking him with your second pick kind of shockingly, it's well, kind of risky. I heard he ran a really fast 40 even after you know after the surgery. I know he says he's not 100%. I, I guess he ran like a 4-5. Yeah, he ran a 4-5-7. He ran a 4-5-7, so... <sighs> Obviously, they figure he's healthy enough. The yeah. only the only thing about those, though, I want to say, I have a torn ACL, mm-hmm. so I kind of know how I, it was hurting today because it was raining. But anyway, it bothers. <laughs> it, they do. They bother you for injuries. Bother. You I'm happy I don't have an injury where if it rains, I'm like, man. <laughs> oh, I was driving to work my today, elbow. and my knee. I'm like, oh my gosh, are you kidding me right now? Um, no, but you know. Obviously, that's good and that's fast. The thing about ACLs, though, it's kind of more of the the cuts are what really bother uh-huh. your knee because that's what it, it holds your knee in place. It's like the main pretty much, you know, tendon that's like, oh, so your knee doesn't fall apart. This exactly. is what, what holds it together. So when I was doing rehabilitation, a lot of stuff they had me do is a lot of jab steps. And, you know, I don't know if that really tests that that much. And being a wide receiver, you have to be able to, like, on a dime, turn and go a certain yeah, way. You don't have to be able to cut as well as running back, but you do yeah, no. you do be able to make You, you know, have to be moves. like, you have to get the person off you, you know, yeah. go. And, you know, that kind of thing. And that's that's the biggest reason why it bothered me is because, obviously, A, we don't need any other, reserve, or any other receivers but Megatron. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. But, no, I, I it's going to be interesting cause just because we have so many good receivers and so many good guys that can catch the ball that even aren't receivers. Um to see how he fits in, I, I guess meshes with the team, is more of I what I'm interested to see. I just, I just, I'm trying to, I, you know, the Lions. They always say Tom Lee and Marty Mayhew. These guys, we're going to draft based on value. It's this value concept. That's their whole philosophy. Is that if this guy's this talented and he's still available, even though we might not necessarily need another wide receiver at this moment this season, we're going to take this guy because he's the best player on the board. I don't always just agree with that. I mean, they need it. Why don't you go with a cornerback? Janoris Jenkins, somebody. 
draft them that high. I mean, I don't think there's a problem with that. You look at Ryan Broyles, the ACL thing scares me that you guys have been talking about. If you're drafting them, maybe to move them at some point. I know Burleson's not looking to stay here. I know you can, you can never have too many wide receivers. I get that, but with your second round pick, yeah, especially with second our de- round pick, with our defense being who our defense was and, last year, and that's the thing. Like I wanted to see a defensive pick. I didn't care what position, just something, something. like Levante a tackle and end or something like that. Yeah, an end or something, but just the wide receiver. It's just like. We just keep building on this offense. Our offense was great last year. Like the Saints game, our playoff game, we couldn't get back on the field. That's why we kept losing because we we could score. We could score 40 points. But if you don't score, uh, if you can't stop the other team from scoring, then it doesn't matter. So I think we needed to go defense. And I felt like they kind of wanted like a Janoris Jenkins. or Like there wasn't any great quarterbacks except high up. So they're kind of, do we take the risk of Janoris Jenkins this early? Can we get him later? And they didn't like any of the other defensive players. So I feel like they're just like, let's take the best available. This wide receiver, let's take the risk, be the big name in the draft, and just make a splash kind of thing. And I think it's going to come back to hurt them. I think it will too. Because, yeah, offense was not the problem. Stafford threw for 5,000 yards. Calvin Johnson was an absolute beast with over 1,600 yards in, re- in reception yards. I mean, what, he had 16, 17 touchdowns. I mean, come on, offense was not the issue with this team. They couldn't ever get back on the field. If they forced two, three more punts in that Saints game, they can win that ball game. They don't do that, and they lose. Matt Flynn lit us up worse than anyone in the world. In that game against Green Bay, Matt Flynn threw for six touchdowns. Give me a break. I mean, it's it's the defense, it's the secondary, and it even goes to the line to be able to get to the quarterback better. And that's why I don't care how good Ryan Burroughs is going to be, I don't think you take him with your second-round pick. That, I just yeah, I can't see it working out. I see this as being another bust, another Mike James, another something like that, where it's just like, eh. Yeah, he was good then. He was good in college, but... Guess what? Now he's got these acting up ACL problems. And now, even with that risk, now you can't even possibly move him if you want to because people are in question, oh, wait, he was on the IR now again? Yeah. Oh, what do he do? He tweaked it in practice? Well, great. Now we got this second-round pick that's worth nothing. And he's always going to have that ACL surgery in the first place. So if, even if he is 100% in a year from now and he put up some good numbers or something, like people are still going to have that in the back of their mind. This guy tore his ACL a year ago or whatever. Yeah. Always going to be wondering about it. Still a risk no matter what. Yeah, no matter what. We're going to take a quick break here on the Spartan Sports Wrap. When we come back, we're just going to quickly recap and finish the Lions. Just want to talk about one or two more of their picks briefly, and then we'll just move on to the Detroit Tigers. But uh, don't forget the phone number, guys, 517-432-3893. Give us a call about all this and even the new topics. Of course, it will get to the next next, uh, half hour. You are listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap on 88.9 WDBM East Lansing. You're listening to Impact Exposure. First floor. Hey, what floor are you going to? <clears throat> oh, uh, three. Thanks. <coughs> hey, didn't we uh, have... Yeah, that one class. Yeah, that's so funny to, <laughs> to see you, because I <coughs> thought maybe we could... Uh, would you ever want to... Um, I was wondering if you, if I could stick my finger in your eye. What? No. Second oh, floor. I just flushed some toilets and touched a doorknob. What? I've been keeping this moist Kleenex Ew, in my pocket. That's uh, so gross. I thought we could, you know, just stick my finger Ugh. in your eye. Is that weird? No, don't touch me. What's wrong with you? Oh, 
Sorry. Well, ever since you got in the elevator, you've been coughing all over your hands and pressing those buttons, so I just thought you were into that kind of thing. Free. Studies show that three quarters of women and only half of men actually wash their hands in the bathroom. That's nasty. Stop the flu and other germs by regularly washing with soap and avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Or at cdc.gov slash clean hands. Impact 89 FM. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. From 10 p.m. until midnight Sunday nights, listen to the Impact Afterglow, where you can hear a variety of relaxed tracks to help you ease into the start of a new week. Only on Impact Primetime. Now back to Impact Exposure. And welcome back here to the Spartan Sports Wrap on 88.9 WDBM East Lansing. Dave, Megan, Zach, and John here with you. First half hour, we talked a lot about uh, Michigan State, the draft class that they had in 2012. We dove into Kirk Cousins with the Washington Redskins, and we've been talking about the Lions 2000 NFL, 2012 NFL draft. And we're just going to pick up right there uh, briefly where we left off. Uh, Dwight Bentley with the 85th overall selection. Uh, pretty solid player, undersized at the cornerback position. He's only about 5'11". Came out of Louisiana of Lafayette. What do you guys think of Dwight Bentley from what you just know of him with that third pick of ours? I think, first of all, they they were stuck. They had to pick a cornerback there because cornerback was our first need going in, and they already missed, and they blew the second pick with the wide receiver, so it was like they had to pick someone. And there's not any standout quarterbacks. They're all small. Or they have some problems, but... I think he's solid. We needed a quarterback. Um, he's got some good numbers. He played good against Blackman and Whedon in the when they played Oklahoma State in the beginning of the game, and they seem to like him. But I don't know. I'm interested to see like how he turns out. The project he is. I don't think he, he's not a big project, but like he's obviously not. Like, yeah, I mean, he, from guy. what I hear, he's aggressive. He's fast. You know, yeah, that's what I like. Mm-hmm. No, I do too. I, I think I, th- I think they were packed into a corner if they didn't take a quarter cornerback there. Uh, fans, I think, would have lost it. So you had to go with somebody. Dwight Bentley seems to be a, a decent pick in that regard. So uh, the only question I always have is, you know, you play for a school like Louisiana Lafayette or even, you know, a little bit later in the round, uh, that guy we got from Albion. Yeah. You know, yes. you wonder when you take guys, he played for Albion, okay? So even if he has decent numbers, he played for Albion <laughs> again. So uh, we'll see what happens there. Um, the Lions are going to be picking up a lot of other rookie free agents. They've already agreed to terms with at least 12 non-drafted rookie free agents, one of them being Boise State's quarterback, Kellen Moore. Um, they're really trying to pursue Kellen Moore as their number three quarterback, which I think would be pretty solid. I think that's a pretty solid third, uh, third guy. And did you say they've already uh, agreed to a deal, Zach? It says that they have agreed to a free agent deal. Okay. So... So pretty much locked in. Signed the yeah, signed the dotted line. Uh, Kellen Moore looks to be your number three quarterback for the Detroit Lions. So good stuff there. You can never have too many quarterbacks. A uh, brief overview of the NFL draft in general. As expected, the Indianapolis Colts selected Andrew Luck from Stanford as their new Peyton Manning. So we'll hit, see how Andrew Luck does out there in his first season with the Colts. Should be a tough year for the Colts still even with Andrew Luck, but very exciting to see the Colts get back on track. Uh, the Redskins uh, got the number two pick after trading it up the, uh, to take the pick from the Rams, and they got Robert Griffin the third. He's out there from Baylor, and with the third pick, the Browns took Trent Richardson, moved up and took the pick from the Vikings, and the Browns grabbed up the running back from Alabama. Trent Richardson, good move. 
Bad move? Yeah, I think it's a good move. They're all talking. They they want to start the whole running game, and in that division, you got Pittsburgh, Ravens. You gotta you gotta be able to run the ball. You gotta be be able to defend. So they had to move up, and they thought he was gonna get picked up before. So I thought it was a good aggressive move by them. I think he'll be solid for them. I was surprised that they moved up because who would have thought that the Vikings were gonna take them since they have Adrian Peterson? But <laughs> I mean. It's a good move for the Browns. Well, they were worried about the Bucks like trading with the Vikings or something like that. Oh, okay. Some other something. stuff going on. Yeah, other because other teams wanted to trade up, and the Buccaneers were worried about the Vikings doing something, picking uh, Claiborne or something uh-huh. that they wanted. So it was just they felt that something could happen. There's risk, so they just made the move and Better safe got the guy they want. I guess so. I mean, and the they have Trent Richardson, it, so take a running back that high. Geez, that's the only question. Yeah. These guys last three years, it seems like, in the league before they're just abused and torn everything in their body. So hopefully Trent Richardson, he seems to be more of like a, he's just a smaller running back, but he's powerful. Guys like, I think, a Frank Gore, he's a bowling ball rolling down the field. So hopefully if Richardson can stay healthy, and yeah, as we saw, if they just don't have a running game at all right now in Cleveland. And, you know, with the quarterback situation, they're definitely going to need to have a solid running game. So hopefully Trent Richardson does work out for the Cleveland Browns. Franchise more woe than us, without a doubt. But uh, we're going to talk about the Detroit Tigers. Now get into some baseball, even though uh, it's not summer yet, but it's close enough to summer. And the Detroit Tigers are struggling, to say the least, at this point. The Detroit Tigers have lost eight of their last ten games. They did very poorly on a homestand that they had here very recently. And the Tigers come out of a series against the New York Yankees, winning only one game out of that series, blowing the lead in, in game one of the series on Friday night, losing the game seven to six. And then they come back, get a pretty get a much needed win on Saturday, and then Scherzer decides that he doesn't know where the strike zone is anymore and walks seven batters in their loss six to two on Sunday against the New York Yankees. Granderson getting another home run. Uh, doing it up as usual. Curtis Granderson keep keep knocking them out of the ballpark. What do you think? What's the problem with the Tigers right now, as a whole? As a whole. As a whole. I mean, this team they're still they're five hundred. They're mm-hmm. eleven and eleven. One game back in the division. They shouldn't be eleven. But and 11. they're eight out of their last ten. Exactly. Has been losses. They shouldn't be that bad. They have. A- they have a good offense. They have a good defense. I think the biggest problem with them right now is they can't figure out their bullpen still. That's the one, like, we had such problems with that even last year. I, I remember we talked about we had our fifth our fifth starting rota- rotation pitcher. Mm-hmm. That is a mouthful. Anyway, um, and you, when, when we talked about it before the season even started, we were like, oh, we got a good starting rotation. We're good to go. We're going to be fine. And then I think they got rid of one of their starters already. Um, mm-hmm. the guys who come out can't seem to finish, can't seem to get out of innings, you know, are throwing balls, walking people, hit, they're hitting home runs off of him. You know, it's just every bad thing that could go wrong with a reliever is going wrong. Mm-hmm. And then I saw Valverde struggle. They were going to, they were going to pull him out and then they ended up winning. They did end up winning yeah, that game. He made it into it seven to five. And then they finally they were up, set what up. What were they up? Like seven to like two? They were up seven two. Yeah, they had a decent lead in that game. Valverde is such a good pitcher, but he's so bad sometimes. <laughs> Roller <laughs> it's just, coaster. He gives me like a heart attack when I watch him. Sometimes it's like if it's a non-save situation, he's just like, "Yeah, we can walk this person. It's okay, you know. I won't try my hardest, and we'll we'll throw a couple of runs in and be good to go." We only Actually, have a five Leland, Leland called to the they called to the bullpen. He and did. Then he, and then he they got the last out. out. Yeah, they were gonna put someone else in there, but I think that's the biggest problem with us right now. Um, and they got rid of Inge. 
Yeah. Uh, Brandon is gone. Brandon's <laughs> gone. He's with the A's now. Yeah, playing tonight. Yeah, and um, you know, it's just our offense is so roller coaster, so sporadic. So I, it's just like one game we're really good. The next game, Prince Fielder and Cabrera go zero for three. Like it's just you know so back and forth that I'm just a little iffy about it. Jackson's mm-hmm. doing well. I give him a lot of credit. Jackson is doing very well. And but I think the biggest thing with us right now is relievers, closers. I mean, we put Villarreal in there the other day, and he blew it. Yeah, Villarreal. Okay, that plate. The first wild pitch is on Villarreal. He mm-hmm. throws that one that gets away, up, you know, moves the runners up to third and first. That second one, Avila should have had. That bounced off his glove. That wild pitch there. The winning run? Not the winning. The the, uh, the run that ended up tying. The, no, wait. Was it the winning run? The winning run. It was a, was a wild pitch. Yeah, it was a wild pitch. Yeah, that was the winning run, and it hits Avila's glove enough where Avila needs to catch it. It wasn't the greatest pitch in the world, but at the same time, it hits so much of his glove. He's got to catch that. pitch. It was a close he's play. He's got to catch it. It was a close play from the angle that I saw. It almost looked like he was out, but I'm sure if I saw it from like a different angle, he might. He was probably safe. I don't know. I think no. I mean, I think that I think he was safe. I do think they got the call right. Mm-hmm. I think the starting pitching is a bigger concern than really the bullpen. The bullpen hasn't been great, but the starting when you, your starting pitchers it. don't give your <laughs> okay bullpen's got to come out in the third inning. Bullpen's got to come out in the fourth, and they have to work that much harder. You're taxing the bullpen so much. How about we just say Porcello and poor, yeah, yeah please, <laughs> Porcello and Scherzer? They need to figure this out. It's it's coming down to those two guys figuring it out. Smiley has done a great job on yeah. the mound. He's, I think he's looked fantastic, even in his losing performances. He's looked great out there. Those are games we haven't scored runs. Verlander, yeah, you got him every five days, but he still had a no decision in Friday's game against the Yankees. Porcello almost has an ERA over seven. Scherzer does. His is almost eight. This is an issue. I think the Fister injury also really hurt us because that set us back. We kind of had our rotation set. We had the four guys, and then we had our like younger, like, we're, who are you going to build off on the fifth starter? And now we're back down to like two of those guys coming up from a Toledo or something like that, or throwing in a bullpen like Belo starting tonight. Belo is starting tonight <laughs> so against like, uh, yeah Hochi. We're kind of doing that. And when we had Fister, we kind of had to set rotation. He was solid. And when we dr- lost him, it was kind of it really set us back. And I'm glad that he's coming back. I think he's rehabbing Wednesday or something. Yep, he's yeah. gonna have a he's gonna have his first uh, rehab stint uh, down in Toledo. He'll go Wednesday. Uh, Leland's saying he might be even ready for uh, Monday uh, with their series against the Mariners. So he might even be ready for that. Fister has to come back. But even Adam Wilk, he hasn't been great. He's got an ERA over eight. But if Scherzer and Porcello don't figure it out, it doesn't matter if Fister comes back and he's still solid for you. Yeah. Scherzer and Porcello need to get it done. You get in these... I mean, Scherzer throws 129 pitches, only gets through four and two-thirds yesterday. Seven walks. I mean, come on. The pitching Just, statistics speak for themselves because right now our ERA is 23rd overall in the league. Our quality starts 23rd overall. Our whip is 26th overall. Batting average against 26th overall. Like... We have horrible statistics in every single category. We, that... we can't rely on Verlander every single time. He can't be our five-man rotation. I'm sorry, <laughs> exactly. guys. We can't make it that way. He would be dead like a quarter of the way through the season. Yeah, he <laughs> He'd probably make... throw out his arm or something. You know, and that's that's a bummer part. I mean, we were so excited for the season, so ready. We had a great you know starting five rotation, and then it just like as it went on. Now we're 11 and 11, and we, we can't seem to get out of this rut. 
I mean, I'm not going to push the panic button. I'm not pushing yeah, the panic right button. We're still 500, so. Well, team is 500. We 500 I know, I know, but like, <laughs> it's not like we're Kansas City or something like no, that. No, I'm not we're, saying we're, we're going to lose hole. and we're going to have a losing record. I'm not saying that. It's just I think there's they need to figure out the pitching somewhat yeah. soon, or else in a, a couple months we're going to be pushing gonna the panic button. Going to keep carrying over, and that yeah. inconsistency is going to just kill us. Yeah. You do it. I mean, for the Tigers, give them the, the benefit of the doubt. They haven't been pitching well. They have faced some very dominant teams to start this season off. Just to give them a little bit of leeway, they have played teams like New York. They've had a four-game series versus Texas. They caught the Mariners when the Mariners were hot. You know, they had to play at Chicago. It's going to be a tough series no matter what. They're going to play some easier teams here. Interleague plays starting earlier this season. They will be playing some, you know, teams like Oakland, who has been playing better. I think Oakland has been playing better, but... Pittsburgh, some weak teams there in the National League. Fister needs to come back, and poor Selwyn Scherzer need to figure it out. Scherzer with three pitches shouldn't. He's got to have more control, and he should easily have more control. Yet he doesn't have more control. Scherzer started that game I went to, Did and he? yeah, I mean we barely squeaked it out and won like twelve to eleven. Yeah, but he didn't do terrible. No, but he had, he just has some bad performances here and there. I mean his whips over two. Yeah, his ERA seven point seven seven. You know, Rick Porcello, Ricky, you're not looking much better. So these guys got it. These guys have to turn it around. Smiley looks like the second ace out there on the field right now. And if Smiley, I love what Smiley's doing, but he shouldn't be showing up guys like a four-year vet in Porcello and a guy like Max Scherzer. Did you see his mom's reaction when they won? Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking it's, it's like that ball better not be a home run. Oh, I know. It means to be 7-7 seven to seven and, oh, no decision for Mr. Drew Smiley. No, but he gets his first win of the season. And Verlander leads the team with two victories here this season. Uh, they're starting a three-game series against the Kansas City Royals. That uh, game started about 40 minutes ago. It's uh, at Comerica Park, so if you want to tune into that, that'll be on Fox Sports Detroit. So they'll have a three-game series against KC, and then they will have a three-game series against the Chicago White Sox to finish off the week. So Dwayne Bilo on the mound tonight against Hochivar. Hopefully, Bilo, who he's looked great in long relief, hopefully he has a really good start tonight. Definitely need to get a hold of that. And Cleveland is facing the White Sox in a series kicking off tonight, a three-game series between Cleveland at Chicago. So at least those guys will beat each other up a little bit. No one can get too far ahead. And right now, Cleveland does have a one-game lead over the Detroit Tigers and the Chicago White Sox. Do you still see it as just a two-team race? Or do you still, I mean, Cleveland, they had an amazing start last season, and then they faded as a lot expected. Do you still see it as more of just a two-team race in general, guys? It's a little too early for me still, Yes, I think. Um, You know, who would have thought the Tigers would be 11-11 right now? Not a lot after, you know, we signed Prince Fielder, and they're saying we're going to win the World Series. Well, not after, not when you're 9-3, and and it's like, okay, we're rolling. Right. Um, Right now, I I don't think it's going to be just the way teams are playing. But I'd have to get a little, a little bit further in the season rather than 22 games. Because what is it, like 100 and... 162, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> left. Yeah, so um, ask, me, ask me in a couple months and I'll well, tell you. <laughs> no, I completely agree with that. I mean, I still... You can't count out Cleveland. You can't count out these other teams. But my mark is always a third of the way through any season. Mm-hmm. Whether it's the NBA, whether it's anything, give me a third of that season, and then you can really start to make an assessment on what teams are just struggling a little bit early, figuring some things out. I think the Phillies are going to get on track in the National League, and you know I think it's going to be them in Atlanta really battling out. It could be the Nationals. Who knows? I don't, I don't really think so. But uh, a lot of great action still here in the MLB. Tonight, hopefully the Tigers can get back on track and b can get them a win and get them a little bit over 500. 
We're going to talk about the NBA playoffs for a moment. Playoffs kicked off here this weekend. Some really nice series uh, to talk about. And some unfortunate things to happen, especially to the Chicago Bulls. The Chicago Bulls, with a minute 10 left in the fourth quarter, had a 12-point lead over the Philadelphia 76ers. See Derrick Rose go down, torn left ACL. He is out for the entire playoffs. The superstar Derrick Rose, after battling injury really all season, is now gone for the rest of the 2012 playoffs. How bad is this for Chicago? I don't think they're going to have a problem getting past Philly in the first round at all. They could even get past the next round. But the Chicago still have the depth to make a complete run here at the championship. I think it's what stops them from winning the championship. Because he's Derrick Rose. He was the MVP. He's their point guard. And they were like 18-9 and or something without him. But that's because they have a good, solid bench, good, solid starting starting team. And, like, they'd be able to... Like you said, make it a couple rounds, but I think it's going to catch up to them and they're going to figure out that we can't win it all without our star. Because most most people who win NBA championships have their stars on their team. They're not sitting on the bench with injuries or whatever. And they don't have superstars like he is. They have like role players and stuff. Yeah, it's Rip not, Hamilton, who's been playing great yeah, for he's him. Been he's been great. playing fantastic. Which is good and all, but but he's not like, like the Heat. Like if you lose... Bosch or something like that. You still have a lot LeBron of pieces. James and Dwayne Wade and that kind of thing. Derrick Rose is their center. He's superstar, and that's going to come back to hurt them. How bad do you think Derrick Rose going out is for them? Do they do they make it to the conference finals? I think that they can make it to the conference finals without him. They've had a lot of practice playing without him. They've had actually pretty good results without him. I saw that they had like super even scoring throughout like all their bench like rip was averaging like 12 points when he wasn't there and so i mean it's definitely going to be harder for them and i don't think that they can win the championship without him but i don't think it's a completely give up situation Yeah, nail in the coffin done yeah because they're at least used to it they've been doing this all season playing without him so they kind of know how to play without derrick Rhodes. so it's not like he goes down first game of the playoffs oh my god what do we do it's like they they kind of accustomed to it and they know what to do. I mean they do have a game plan obviously they like you said they played a lot of games without him so I think they do have a plan to win without him but it's just going to take every role player and every starter that's left there to you know improve their game it's the only way they're going to get past a team like the Miami Heat who played the New York Knicks in game one of their uh, first Eastern uh, quarterfinal series and the Heat put a hurt on the New York Knicks. Heat winning 100-67 to LeBron James, 32 points, 10 of 14 shooting from the field. Uh, LeBron, one of his highest shooting percentages in his career in the playoffs, almost 72% from the field. Do the Heat seem unbeatable here in the Eastern Conference? I mean, let's just, I'll rephrase that question. Who's coming out of the East? I say Heat. Heat? Zach, who do you have coming out of the Eastern Conference right now? Um... I would have said Bulls, and it kills me to say it, and I know my roommate's <laughs> loving it right now, but I have to say the Heat. I'm going with the Miami Heat. Megan? What? Why are you asking me? <laughs> because I know how much you love basketball. I love basketball. I know you do. Uh, especially and I know NBA. you love LeBron James. I do. He's my love, favorite. You love Dwayne Wade. I don't, I don't mind Dwayne. Um, I don't know. Who's in it? <laughs> you see how much I pay attention. I mean, really the best team, Chicago, the Bulls. I like Chicago. Pacers. I like Celtics could have a chance. Celtics, if, yeah. And Rondo's gone now. <laughs> you know, it would be Rip Hamilton would leave the Pistons and then play awesome for the Bulls. 
I mean, Rip, you know, he still played well for us, but he's... he's he feel, just hated he, being he's, here. <laughs> by the end of it, yes. It was all, you know, the conflict with Custer, it was all just too much. Plus, they're like, you can sit on the bench. We don't care if you're not hurt or not. A lot of DNPs, <laughs> a lot of problems with that. Chicago, I think, can get to the conference finals. I think they will lose to the Heat in the conference finals. The Pacers could make some noise, but... Orlando does have a 1-0 lead. Orlando had 11-0 run to finish off the Pacers to get that 1-0 lead on the road against Indiana. Atlanta got the best of Boston at the end of this game. Rajon Rondo gets kicked out of the game for chest bumping the ref. He's out for one game. He'll be out game two. Do you think Rondo did this on purpose? Yes. Okay. I think he said it was a trip. He said he tripped. He said his momentum carried him forward. He tripped over the rest of his foot. Bumped he had him. that look in his eye, and he had that chest pumped out, and it was kind of... A little chest pump. He was like, no, I don't agree with you. Um, <laughs> come at me, like that kind of thing. So I don't. I think he did it on purpose. And I, th- I think he did it on purpose, he, too. He threw I the ball did. at the ref a little bit ago. Like He has a history, so yeah. that's probably why they gave it to I him. I think look. he did it on purpose, without a doubt. Uh, is one game fair? Should he have two? Yeah, He's already one, been suspended one game this season. It was one game without play or pay. I think it was fine. I, I think the Celtics still can win this series. It's going to be more difficult for them, but hopefully, I can see. Hopefully, Boston comes out of there. This might be the last couple years, maybe the last year we get to see Ray Allen at all if he even plays here in this series. He hasn't played in Game One. Kevin Garnett, the old timers on this team, guys that I started watching when I started watching the NBA and. That's why my heart's always a little, little stronger for those teams, for those old-timers. Speaking of old-timers, the San Antonio Spurs um, have a 1-0 lead against the Utah Jazz, played very well against them, and the Spurs uh, still showing why I think they are the best team in the NBA at this point. OKC survives a last-second shot from Kevin Durant. Dallas had this game wrapped up. Kevin Durant flicks a shot up at the buzzer, pretty much a one-handed shot, clanks iron, clanks board, and goes in somehow the Kevin Durantula roll uh the Lakers end up beating the Nuggets uh 10 blocks uh triple double in general let's just say for uh, Andrew Bynum 10 blocks last triple double was Magic Johnson by the Los Angeles Lakers Kobe Bryant with 31 points to add on to that and the Lakers showing they don't miss Ron Artest or Meta World Peace at all right now their size absolutely swallowing the Nuggets whole and in another crazy crazy game the Memphis Grizzlies blow a 21-point fourth-quarter lead, lose to the L.A. Clippers 99-98. to Clippers go on a 28-3 to run to end up winning this ball game. Wow is all i got to say. I've never seen that <laughs> exactly. before in my life. Never in the playoffs. Uh, hopefully Memphis can get back from that as well as Dallas because when you lose a tough game like that, you fought so hard on the road for and you lose on a last-second shot. Sometimes it's too big of a punch in the gut to really recover from. The Pistons did finish off their season on Thursday night against the Philadelphia 76ers. And all I want to say is that Ben Wallace come back. Uh, They threw Ben Wallace in for the last minute 20 of the game. The crowd was begging for him. He ended up shooting a three-pointer at one point. Airballed it, but still fun to watch. (laughs) I don't want that to be the last shot of his career. I don't want that to be the last shot. I was hoping he was going to swish it. But... uh, (laughs) Hopefully Ben Wallace, uh, he's only had uh, only attempt nine, uh, ten three-pointers in his career, so I can't feel too bad about that. But uh, Ben Wallace, uh, he's looking to retire. I still think from his body language, the way he was doing that final interview after the game, he might come back. Yeah, he I really watched might. that. I, I definitely hope so. Ben, he'll be an asset regardless of being 38 or not. So hopefully Ben can come back and get that done. Megan, you want to do NASCAR for all of our uh, lovely racing fans out there? I know. There? Everyone loves when I do this. Yes. Um, yeah, I'll be quick because um, I know we only have like five minutes yeah, about left. about five, yeah. 
Um, Saturday night, under the lights, um, NASCAR was at Richmond. And our winner, Kyle Busch. I know everyone loves the Busch brothers out there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, dominant last year, this year, not so much. Um, and there's an ad covering up my res- or my results, so I'm only going to go through five. Uh, Kyle Busch is your winner. Dale Earnhardt Jr. battling him out until the last one or the last lap. Pretty sure it was a pretty close finish. Um, well, 1.095, so he caught up a little bit, but Kyle just had it. But Dale, he's had he's had a good season. Dale's hasn't he? had a great season. Um, you know, his dad would have been 61 on Sunday, so it would have been kind of like a bittersweet almost weekend for him. You know, it would have been cool. I think. You know, his, his son wins the same weekend. That you know he would have turned twenty-one. Yeah, that would have been cool. Yeah, so we had Dale in second, Tony in third, Denny Hamlin in fourth, and Casey Kane in fifth. Um, I'll just give you next week. We have May sixth, so that's on Sunday at twelve o'clock. Aaron's four ninety-nine at Talladega. So this is like if you want to call it the famous race because Talladega Nights. I don't know <laughs> if anyone. I'm sure a lot of people have seen that movie, if not almost everyone. Um, I'll give you top five overall standings right now. You yeah, got, where are the points at? Yeah, the points are at. Uh, three thirty-eight for Greg Biffle. He's in first. He didn't go up or down or anything. He's been in first for a long time. Yeah, he's been he's been racing well. Yeah, and Dale went up two spots. He's only five behind. Uh, Denny Hamlin third, Matt Kenseth fourth, Martin Truex Jr. in fifth. Kyle Busch went up two spots to the eleventh. Um, back seventy-three points from Biffle. So from that win, so good for him. Definitely. Yeah. So just look out for a tail day good nights. You know, next. Not really nights, day. Talladega days. It should be a good race. Talladega is always a real good race. Yeah. It so. definitely is a good race. Uh, moving on to IndyCar for a moment. IndyCar was racing in Sao Paulo, Brazil. Here, uh, road course out there. Fourth race of the season for IndyCar. Uh, last race before, they take a month off for the Indy 500. And Will Power wins his third race in a row, uh, winning at Sao Paulo. He won last year as well at Sao Paulo. Will Power winning the first three, uh, three out of four races here to start the IndyCar season, him and Team Penske absolutely dominating. Team Penske having seven out of the top ten drivers in this race. Penske absolutely running away with the team with the championship right now. Will Power is going to be very tough to deal with already with three number one finishes. Your top five, Ryan Hunter Ray finishes second. He's with Andretti Autosport. And Takumo Sato, who's with Ray Hall Letterman. David Letterman does actually own part of a racing company and Takuma Sano gets on the podium for the first time in his career getting the third place finish Elio Castroneves is fourth and Dario Franchitti for targets Chip Ganassi finishes fifth there again the next race will be May 27th Indy 500 at noon always a great race we'll see how the season shakes out with the ovals they've done all road courses up to this point so the season will get a little more interesting once they get to the ovals because some guys a lot of the teams in team penske like power and these guys are very good road course drivers but they're saying the honda will have a decent not advantage but they'll be able to be competitive with the team penske and the chevrolet engine so uh any other thoughts or comments guys regarding uh this weekend in sports what you're looking forward to most NBA playoffs, is it? NHL playoffs? More Tigers baseball? <laughs> you picked my two favorite things to start with. I know, I did. <laughs> I'm looking forward to baseball. I want the Tigers baseball? to turn it around. Yeah, I see the Tigers turn around. Yeah. I just want I want them to figure their stuff out, you know, figure out what's what's going on with their program and be the team that they're expected to be this year. So let's just say right now, they got six games, three against Kansas City, three against Chicago here, all at Comerica. Bad homestand last time. How many do they win? I mean, I know the matchups are big, but if you just had to go with the gut instinct, how many out of six did this team walk away with? I, I think they're going to sweep Kansas. Okay. Um, I think they'll maybe take, like, 
one or two out of three. I don't think they're going to sweep um, Chicago. So, yeah, you really see them probably around four out of six? Yeah, somewhere around there. Four yeah, four. You guys think you guys two and two? Yeah, three or four. Yeah, three or four. I hope it's four. <laughs> Me too. Three I four. hope it's four. Yeah, it is going to be right around there. I want to thank everybody for tuning in to tonight's program. Uh, definitely always a pleasure uh, to, you know, have you guys listen in. Uh, the Asian Invasion is coming up next, so uh, definitely don't miss out on that. For everyone here at the Spartan Sports Wrap, my name is Dave Frank. You. I'm Megan. I'm Zach. I'm John. You guys have a great night out there. You've been listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Tune in every week for more of the greatest sports information, news, and analysis. Here and only here on Impact 89FM. Now it's time for an update from Impact News. another edition of Impact News. Stay tuned to the Impact for more news updates from the future of music. Impact 89 FM. WDBM East Lansing. Welcome to MSU Today on Impact Exposure, your source for information about what's happening around MSU, as well as the home of Governor Granholm's weekly radio address. And now, MSU Today with your host, Russ White. We'll be right back with more MSU Today. They began arriving soon after Hurricanes Katrina and Rita devastated the Gulf Coast. Habitat for Humanity volunteers are rebuilding homes and lives with their hands and their hearts. But they still need your help. In May 2008, the Jimmy and Rosalind Carter Work Project will build affordable housing in the Gulf while honoring President and Mrs. Carter's 25 years of service to Habitat for Humanity. To get involved on the Gulf Coast or in your community, visit Habitat.org. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime. where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. 
Monday nights from 8 until midnight, listen to the Impact's Jazz Spectrum, jazz spectrum. your source for great jazz music, news, and concert information. Only on Impact Prime Time. And now back to MSU Today on Impact 89FM. We'll be right back with more MSU Today. Hola, my name is Esperanza. After a tragic incident, I was forced from a life of riches in Mexico to a life of poverty in the United States. My mother has become ill and we have become separated from our family. Now I must work for both of us to try to bring the rest of our family together. My name is Esperanza and I am trying to survive. Explore new worlds. Read my story in the novel Esperanza Rising by Pam Muñoz Ryan. For other great book ideas, visit your local library or log on to literacy.gov. Brought to you by the Library of Congress and the Ad Council. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime. where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Tuesday nights from 8 until midnight, the Impact's progressive torch and twang brings you the best in alternative country and grassroots music. Only on Impact Primetime. And now back to MSU Today on Impact 89FM. We'll be right back with more MSU Today. An ordinary day, an ordinary family's living room filled with an ordinary bunch of kids. And they were doing nothing. When suddenly... That's a personal foul. An active activity on a sunny day. Coming to the rescue was NFL running back Reggie Bush. Let's play. And play they did. There was running and jumping and laziness was crushed. Hey kids, don't get a lazy penalty. Go online to smallstep.gov for fun playtime ideas. So you can be a player too. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Friday nights from 8 until 10 p.m., the Impact Flashback is your retro music alternative, playing your old favorites from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. Only on Impact Primetime. And now back to MSU Today on Impact 89FM. We'll be right back with more MSU Today. Morning, gentlemen. Want to hear our specials? Sure. First, we have the seafood special. It's been sitting around here for a week. We're known around these parts for our food poisoning. Wouldn't it be great if you could be warned of life's risks? If you have diabetes, you can. It's called A1C, a simple blood test that can help measure your risk of complications such as heart attack. To find out more, go to www.diabetesa1c.org. Brought to you by the American Diabetes Association, Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation International, and the Ad Council. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime. where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Thursday nights from 10 until 2 a.m. Listen to the Hours of Power, the scariest and only metal show in the mid-Michigan area. Only on Impact Primetime. And now back to MSU Today on Impact 89FM. The Impact is the flagship station for Governor Granholm's weekly radio address. It can be heard here on MSU Today, along with news from the campus of Michigan State University. Every Friday from 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. The conversations and interviews you've just heard can also be found on SpartanPodcast.com. If you have something you want to say, email us at msutoday at impact89fm.org. You've been listening to MSU Today with Russ White on Impact Exposure.
WDBM East Lansing. I-